anybody there? Yeah. Hey, Jamie. How you doing? Hey, I'm well. How's it going on your neck of the woods? All is well. Where Where are you anyway? I'm curious. I am in the state of Wyoming. Oh, okay. You're a lot farther <laughs> than, I, than I thought you were. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, somehow all over the place and, and nowhere. Because as, uh, I don't know if you may have heard, um, some folks don't think the state of Wyoming exists <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> so it's a good wow. cover for me uh, to stay uh, a little anonymous, I suppose. Oh, that's a, that's a, like a Rod Serling-like quality to the whole state. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad you bring up Rod Serling, a big fan of Twilight Zone, and of course now a big fan of the Playwright Zone as well. Oh, but thanks. <laughs> if, you, uh, if you're ready to get the ball rolling, I'd be happy to get started on this. I'm as ready as a person who spent years playing music and theater and isn't used to getting up before 10 a.m. <laughs> but I'm pounding the caffeine. I'm getting there. Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, I need more playwrights and, and theater folks in my life. It's been a little while. So um, more than anything, I'm just really excited to get to talk to you today. Uh, you're a playwright. Uh, you produce your own work, which I think is very exciting. And I just want to get to know you. I think that there's a lot of fun stuff that you've been up to. And uh, there's a lot that we can learn from you. So let's start at the beginning, shall we? Can you tell me about where you're from and how you got into the arts? What was what was that like for you? Um, yeah, I was actually born in Washington, D.C. I did an interview the other day with a person who was like, you were actually born in Washington, D.C.? I didn't know anybody <laughs> was born there. So, yeah, I am one of those freakish souls who was actually born in our nation's capital. So that handles where I am from. I am right now I'm in Maryland, just outside of D.C. Traveled around a lot, but uh, yeah, always lived here. This has always been headquarters. It's home base. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when does theater in particular begin for you then as a, as a creative journey? Well, I should warn you in advance. It was, uh, questions like that all have peculiar stories attached to them. So <laughs> you, you let me know if I'm hitting too many strange stories. But No, I love the strange stories. Go right ahead. <laughs> yeah. So I was playing music. I thought that I did some freelance art. I was playing music. This would be probably in my early 20s. Uh, and that's really what I wanted to do. I was playing in bands and it, it was, and I was playing in a band that where it started to go better and better. We got a really good review in a magazine that, um, you know, a lot of big acts read when they came into town and we were playing some live gigs that started to go well. And one of the people who owned a venue that we played in knew another person who organized tours, uh, you know, big tours. And they contacted us and said, we want you guys to go on tour. We're going to support you. Mm. So I thought, wow, it's, it's finally all that struggle worked. And now we're going to go on tour. This is life altering. And I called the, the vocalist for the band. And he said, I was in an asylum over the weekend. Oh, no. Yeah, that's what I said. Oh, man. <laughs> and I was like, wow. Uh, and I so told him what was going on. And he said, I can't do it. I'm just struggling and i can't do it so that was kind of a formative experience and i thought well i can't do this where i had to rely so much on other people to do something artistic so i thought you know i've always loved reading i love plays i'm gonna try to write a play so after that experience i literally sat down and started writing my first play and fortunately that play was accepted somewhere for for a reading i think 
And that just got me hooked. And I thought, <laughs> wow, I can do this on my own. I don't need <laughs> other people. You know, that sounds awful. I mean, I can at least create something without without having to rely on other people or things can go very wrong mm -hmm. very quickly. Right. What kind of music did you did you play when you were in the band? Uh, it was a mix. It was um, there was uh, some rock oriented, blues based, some funk kind of a feel coming mm -hmm. from a DC area. Go Go <laughs> was big at the time. Um, so it was a real mix of of styles. Yeah. What kind of music were you listening to at the time that that kind of got you into that direction where you said, you know, music is going to be the thing for me before, of course. The uh, the fallout in those difficult situations. Uh, that too, I'd have to say, it was a mix. I, you know, I really love classical music, and I think that edges into it. Uh, yeah, so that was part of it. But also, uh, I love Stevie Wonder. <clears throat> I think he's amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, Beatles, you know, all the classic kind of stuff. So, what what year was this? Around the time that you were making your inroads musically and then made that transition to uh playwriting this probably would have been early 90s i would say all right so that must have been an interesting time to sort of switch gears to go from a collaborative sort of endeavor to something that would be more intimate more your thing uh did you feel like that suited you better the moment you started doing that yes the short answer is yes <laughs> but um <laughs> Yeah, at the time, let's see, how can I word this delicately? <laughs> being being <laughs> musicians can be an interesting group of people. Let's put it that way. Um, I yeah, I had all kinds of stories around me. Another friend of mine was playing in a band where they were also doing well in the DC area. DC is actually a very good arts area for theater and music, but mm. um, they were doing really well. They had you know, a big executive come out to see them at a live gig. And they were really excited because they were about to get signed to a big deal. Mm. And their singer showed up and he had a serious drug issue. Oh, no. And um, he showed up in really bad shape. And that really changed their lives around the same time. So I had a lot of the stories like that going around. And um, certainly <laughs> not all musicians are that way, but there was a lot of that kind of stuff going on. It's, it's sort of a volatile group of people <laughs> to put it delicately no for That's sure yeah. yeah so theater is obviously very collaborative too but at least you can uh control the part where you you what you create is there you can create something complete yeah and i i think i guess i would be interested to know if how much power you think the playwright has because now that you've been doing this for a long time and i know we're going to be jumping all over the place but this idea of the playwright as being almost an overseer, having a bit more of a voice in the in the creative conversation versus, say, screenwriting or anything else. Do you feel like that has been the case for you, especially now that you get to produce your own work? Yes. I mean, I don't solely produce my own stuff. I've had yeah. a, a lot of other productions over the years. So, yes, I, I do. That part has been very good, where people are really careful you know once you go to a theater company and start working with them they're very careful about changing anything at all mm -hmm. without talking to you first um you know working with dramaturgs is always great yeah so yeah that part of the process right. has been great they're very respectful of the script and uh I, I, most recently i worked with a, 
a great theater company in the DC area called Avant Bard. Hmm. Um, I really liked it because they were all actors and artists themselves running it. So yeah, they're extremely respectful, but they are full of creative ideas. So it's, it's, it's great. Yeah. I love being around creative people. Hmm. So going back to the moment when you maybe finished your first couple of drafts or you felt like you had something good to start submitting to, um, to theaters or perhaps just starting to hit the submission process, uh, do you recall what that experience was like or what was the play that did it that got your foot in the door and maybe a little bit about that time in your life? Yeah, there are a couple. Um, in the D.C. area at the time, Source Theater Company used to have a 10-minute play competition where they would have basically playwrights from all over the country, I'm sure sometimes from other countries, just submit their 10-minute plays, and it was a big event in the D.C. area. Everybody would show up for that. It would be all over the radio. So everybody wanted to get in that in, into mm-hmm. that. I, got, I became friendly with the guy who ran it for uh, Source Theater, a guy named Keith Parker, recently passed over the past couple of years. He was mm-hmm. a great, just a great guy. And um, he took a liking to the weird style of writing <laughs> that I have, <laughs> usually big subjects with kind of dark humor. So he liked that, and it was a, just a great training ground for, for coming up with something. You know, sometimes, I'm sure you know this, mm. you'll be, it's midnight, you're sitting up whenever you, you know, past midnight, it's 1, 2 a.m., all yeah. normal people are sleeping, uh-huh. <laughs> and you're there <laughs> agonizing over every line, not knowing if this is ever going to be heard by another human. <laughs> and you're just, oh, let me get this line just yeah. right. Like, like, what what am I doing? I'm exhausted. You know, why am I doing this? You, every once in a while. And then it would go out and a place like Source Theater produces it and said, yeah, we want to do this. And you see it in front of an audience and it goes well. Mm-hmm. And it's a good reminder. Oh, that's why I do this. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so that, it's very satisfying. So that that was a great training ground where you could actually come up with an idea, make it very tight because a 10-minute play is a, is an art form unto itself to oh, make yes. it very concise, very tight. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you know <laughs> to make it tight and complete and work well. And when an audience loves it, that is the best. Right. So, what were you writing about at the time? Was it still something that you felt was uh, something, as you said, with huge ideas? If maybe you could share a story uh, of a play that maybe you were putting together at that time. Mm-hmm. One of the first ones uh, was called A Field of Thorns, where it was, hmm, that was like, I think it was literally the first play I ever wrote. Mm. And it's been done a few times over the years. Matter of fact, it, uh, a place in DC called the Essential Theater uh, held a, a Zoom reading over the pandemic like a year and a half ago or something of that same play. So it's still bouncing around. But it was... Um, it was about, let's see, again, it's hard to synopsize these quickly, especially oh, yeah. the one that I wrote 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> mm. It was about a dysfunctional white family who had lost a child and mm-hmm. suddenly appearing in their house is a black man who claims to be the son of God. Mm. Uh, so it gets into a lot of themes, but a lot of weird comedy. Yeah, and I didn't know. I didn't know how it would go over, but if I could go back now, as a matter of fact, recently the guy who uh, 
produced it recently over the pandemic. He, he's a great actor himself. He's on The Wire, a guy named S. Robert Morgan. Mm. He, uh, yeah, they got to it and did it before I could go back and say, oh, I would like to make cuts to that <laughs> <laughs> because it was 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think back then I would think, ooh, this is a clever line. This will really get them. Mm. And then yeah. you see it in front of an audience and the audience is like, hmm, okay. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> and but what what I noticed right away, what audiences love and what, what is important is the way the characters react to each other. It could be a look, it could be just a little moment, it could be one word, and it would go over much better with the audience than the most clever line in the world. I'd be like, Oh, I'm yeah. so clever. Yeah. I wrote this line that ties in something from page twelve and page thirty six in the second act. <laughs> and they're like not impressed with that. <laughs> Right, so, right. Yeah. I, I think you're spot on because I think early on we get so caught up in the playfulness of it, the mechanics of something, and we yeah. present in a way that says, okay, look at how clever I am by yeah. masking this kind of arc that, that is, it's, it's all bones, right? And uh, mm -hmm. the actors, of course, are the ones who really give it the heart and, and a little bit more flesh to, uh, to make that story fuller. But it's fascinating because from, from the work that you did that long ago to now, I wonder how you feel your perspective has changed on the way that you write, uh, maybe some, some process things, or, or even just your, your own perspective. You know, that's, that's a lot of living and that's uh, a lot of experiences that I'm sure shaped the person you are now. And, and mm -hmm. looking back, what has that timeline of change been like for you? Well, as far as the mechanics of it go, I think everything I do now is just much tighter. Mm. Um, where right away, as I start writing, and you know, I'm trying not to ask you too many questions. Oh, no. <laughs> if, if it's censoring you, please ask away. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I'll <laughs> that's get all that. good. Okay. I'm opened up. Okay, that's good. Um, yeah, so, so for me, right away, when I start writing play, I'll immediately, okay, I'll figure out, okay, I've got, say, for example, three main characters. All I do right away, very simple. What does a character want more than anything in the world? What's mm. their obstacle? And what's their arc going to be? And even if I don't know the story, I just have a general idea. I find that if I figure out, for example, those three main characters, just the real bare bones of what are they really after in life mm -hmm. and what's stopping them from getting it, then the, it starts to write itself. Then the sparks start to fly between the characters, which is really the key you know, mm -hmm. human interaction. Right. So as you, I'm sure it's the same. Well, I, I would guess it's the same way for you that. Um, no, I think you're. Yeah, I would say that for me, that has been one of the biggest lessons to learn because I get I started when I was younger. I, it would be a conceptual effort. Right. Mm -hmm. um, very yeah. much. You know, what is the theme? What are the visuals going to be? And me being a, a fan of movies and music. I was really more drawn to the spectacle of something rather than the emotional aspects of something. And over the years, I feel like it is a matter of chipping away because that, that spectacle that draws people in and the beautiful, you know, theatricality of something mm -hmm. uh, almost takes away while you're in the process of figuring out the wants and those yeah. needs. And uh, for me, I think that's always been my biggest, uh, thing that that sets me back sometimes and i have to be very aware of when i start something 
um, to go for the heart rather than, you know, what they're wearing and what the fashion of the play is going to be. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, it, yeah, that is crucial to get, get the bare bones first and then yeah. <laughs> the other stuff will come. If it needs to be there, it'll come. Right. So when do you go from 10 minutes to taking the leap to bigger place? When did you feel like that was the right time for you to, to make that change? Oh, or I that leap, I should say. I was completely foolish right from the start. <laughs> My first thing <laughs> was a full-length rambling thing. Mm. So yeah, I, I had no sense of uh, no sense of humility whatsoever. I just came right into it. And I was like, I'll do a full-length. It'll be great. Uh, that's the way and, to uh, do it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just went in full bore. But I, you know, it, quickly you become, you learn humility very quickly when you really start it. It's like, oh, right. oh, okay. I, right. this, this huge epic is actually just a sprawling mess. Yeah. When was the first time that you saw something that you worked on, whether you wrote it after reading the draft again, or perhaps seeing it even on stage that you realized, okay, this is, this is where I'm progressing or, or like where you've identified that you started to understand, you know, um, that's a very broad question, but uh, no, 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 something comes in mind. I'm just trying to, Think of how I can respond to that without sounding completely egotistical. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we have to be in at some points in time during this process of that's full of doubt and uncertainty. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's there's a lot of humility that comes your way along the path, so you don't get the you don't get to sound like you know what you're doing too often. <laughs> so yeah, well, actually, I do know the first time. Well, one of the first times that I remember very vividly was um, <clears throat> I had. Uh, the same guy, actually, Keith Parker from Source Theater, just called me and said he wanted to get, I don't remember how many, six or seven playwrights from the D.C. area. He really wanted to highlight the talent that he felt was in the D.C. area. D.C. is always like trying to say, hey, we know New York is there, but we're good, too. <laughs> it's always that kind of attitude. So he wanted to get that together. And he said, I'm talking to the Kennedy Center. We're going to do play festival with six or seven playwrights from the DC area. And I want you to do one, just write something in your weird style. Said, I think it'll go over. So <laughs> I, I said, I think I've been complimented, but I'm not really sure. It's like, okay, we got, we got these traditional guys. Let's make sure that we have one of our, our weirdos come in too. But I'll exactly. ask you a question about that shortly. <laughs> go ahead. Exactly. They said, we need somebody weird. And he called me. So I thought, well, weird I can do. And I came up with a short play, and actually, it was the one that I filmed uh, fairly recently, mm. uh, where the man from Israel and a man from Palestine are both trapped in an elevator together, which sounds like the opening to a bad joke. Mm -hmm. But it uh, actually, as I was writing that, I thought it basically it came up because you know you're driving around in your car and you hear the news, and you start wondering, does Anybody else realize, I assume other people realize, that there's a constant pattern of really absurd human behavior that drives everything? <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. like, and you hear about the Middle East, you're like, oh my God, this has been going on for thousands of years. Or certainly in America, we have more than our share of bizarre human behavior. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if you're in the arts, you think, ah, oh, there's a play. So I, I thought I'd write a play that seemed try to make a comedy about the Middle East, which is, I thought would be an interesting challenge. And um, so I came up with that play and as they were, first he told me, he said, you know, we're worried 
that this is going to cause a riot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he mm -hmm. said the Kennedy Center staff is, he said, I like it, but I, the Kennedy Center staff is actually really worried mm -hmm. that you're going to cause a major problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I said, well, it's not judgmental. It's not saying, it's not even taking sides. It's not, right, you know, right. it's not nasty in any way. It's just seeing the comedy in human behavior. And he said, I'm with you. I'm just not sure everyone else is. <laughs> right. And and that's one of the pieces that I did see from the Playwright Zone. And uh, I got to applaud you because you got to try it, right? It's not something that you can, um, yeah. that you can stop yourself from doing. Um, but I think I recognize what you're trying to say about looking at it from just the absurdity of human behavior from that perspective. And at that point, you're zooming out in such a way that you are not just talking about culture. You're talking about the things that are afflicting us as a species. Mm -hmm. And I really admire that because it is something that I'm drawn to myself that, that really just makes me feel like, are we, can, are we actually looking up? Are we actually looking at each other and realizing that we, we can do better than this yeah. as a species, right? Absolutely. And that is always something that, that might seem offensive at first glance or might seem like this person is not looking into nuance, but, um, you know, as an absurdist myself, I, I feel like <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is the challenging route, at least for me, to, yeah. to try to reconcile. The, the some of these issues that are that really question whether we're any good at all as a species. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that was well done. I mean, I, I thought that was a really interesting piece and not an easy one by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, that it's yeah. you know something that somebody <laughs> really has to have the courage to to talk about these things. But how did it go then when you proceeded, or if you didn't proceed? Um, that one I, I always remember because it, it just went very well it's it's some sometimes i'm sure you you must experience something similar where you feel sort of like a mathematician coming up with this vast equation and you don't know if it's all going to come out in the yeah. end or yeah. if you've done it correctly so with that one yeah the kennedy center i've had i've been fortunate having a number of things there they've been very nice to me mm. and um when you're in that big huge <clears throat> room i mean they have many rooms but yeah. in one of the big ones and um it's such a historic building and every line just seemed to hit. It was like coming up with an equation where everything worked and you're kind of shocked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, well, like, wow, I pulled it off. <laughs> yeah. This weird thing that I came up with is actually yeah. working. So, uh, yeah, that was really nice. It was, it was also, uh, my father since passed away, but he got to be there to see it. And mm. some of my family got to be there. So that was nice too. Oh, wonderful. Um, and everything just seemed to hit it. It wound up, the audience voted at first place and it was just really even though it was a short 10 minute play it was just a very pleasant experience from start to finish mm -hmm. so that that was one where uh yeah really struck me as being if i wasn't addicted already i'm definitely addicted to this now <laughs> yeah that's the difficult thing too because it's always such a long road to another production another opportunity or something like that but um, it seems like you, by that point, you were establishing inroads with people. They knew you in the community. So it was definitely more of a possibility like, okay, we'll get back on this again because we need to feel this moment with the audience and experience it uh, together. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely uh, something I, I loved about playing music that I also love about uh, putting plays out there is this sense of everything in that room changes 
for the better, really, where everybody's thinking, everybody's feeling deeply, everybody's laughing together. It just creates an amazing sense of connection with people, it mm-hmm. alters the room completely to where you wish things would be like that all of the time. Yeah, You can be walking around a grocery store, nobody has any expression on their face, and it's almost <laughs> like, you know, everybody's just kind of not there. But, but when you have something with the arts going on, everybody's all pistons are pumping you know everybody's on full bore fully alive and it's just great <laughs> it's the the best kind of liberation i would say absolutely but speaking of of weird because i love this question of weird and what is weird <laughs> what are what are your your theatrical lineages like if you can pinpoint a couple of theater practitioners or maybe playwrights from you know that came before that mm-hmm. influence you, that inspire you, that maybe you go back to when you feel like you're running out of um, direction? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure like you, uh, there are a number of them. Um, oddly, the first one that comes to mind is Under Milk Wood by Dylan Thomas. Mm. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's, uh, um, it's, it's a really odd, you know, obviously he's a poet, really. Um, but he wrote this play for voices where this blind sea captain is telling the whole story and going through this very peculiar Welsh town where everybody's just really odd. Yeah. So it has an inter- interesting sense of humor, an interesting point, amazing use of language. That that one really struck me. Um, yeah, All My Sons by, uh, yeah, Arthur Miller. Um, yeah, there's so many. Let's let's talk about some of the work that you're doing to reach out into the community and to try to make a difference because you're you have a production company but you're also an educator you you teach children and adults you teach um film and theater is that correct music Yeah I've taught um some theater to middle school kids uh which was great the um county where I live in in Maryland like again just outside of DC uh put me in uh, some schools where uh, they do, the kids don't really know anything about the arts. Mm. And um, these would be lower income kids. And so it was an interesting challenge. <laughs> yeah. How uh, so, and, do, you, do you think? Well, because uh, at first it was, there was kind of this sense of who are you <laughs> and mm. why are you here? Yeah. But um, very quickly turned into questions like, Hey, are you friends with Cameron Diaz? <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> Actually, in that case, uh, I, I tapped a, a, a friend of mine, an actor, uh, great actor, John Watkins, good, great guy, and so to help to kind of assist me with the class. And he was able to say, I was actually on a film set with her. So, yeah, I knew her. <laughs> so that had them right away. No, that's hilarious. Like, oh. Yeah, you need that cred. You need, you need yeah, a little bit of it. <laughs> that got me a little cred through him. Oh, that's so, amazing. Yeah. Uh, so there was a lot of bizarre questions, but once they got the idea of it, and then I, then I said, then they loved it. Mm. And uh, I said, you know what, well, let's, why don't we do this, perform this for some of the other classes? We'll have, at the end of the day, some of the classes come in, they talked to the school, they were like, okay, let's try it. Mm-hmm. And they, I, they shaped a play together and I helped them to shape it and they performed it. And after it ended, uh, one of the main actors ran up to me and she said, let's do another one right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, I think we put this together very quickly, but not that quick. We can, he's like, let's do it. So oh, that's there was beautiful. a lot of enthusiasm. Yeah. So having those kinds of experiences and going to see 
other perspectives like that, especially folks who, who I imagine are very different than yourself. Mm-hmm. How does that inform the writing and say, like, after that experience, do you think that makes its way into the next play? And is there an example of maybe when something like that happened? Yeah, the, um, but their perspectives, you know, it all comes back to it's just very human. It tends to come back to the same kinds of things mm. about what we all want, about loss, you know, about things that are moving, things that are funny. Mm-hmm. It really, so the, the potential for art, and it sounds so cliched, but <laughs> is really, was in really every one of them. Mm-hmm. They just were unaware of it and it had never been tapped before. Right. So right. they really loved the idea and uh, of just the arts in general. And yeah. they yeah, they picked up on it right away. And it was, yeah, it wasn't like it was so different. Although I have worked with uh, kids in areas where um, I would have to clean, you know, go look at the playground before I had to get, look for crack pipes and stuff to, oh, wow. to throw out. Yeah. Um, that were, you know, kids who, whose lives are different. Yeah. And you have yeah. a tough time. But essentially, it's, it's all the same. It's just mm-hmm. part of it is, is caring enough to make them aware. Oh, there, there are other things out there, you know? Right. And so for you, would you say that you've, what are some takeaways for, for you, you know, from having those experiences personally? How has educating in those areas affected you? Well, I've always tended to go for big themes. They're just the most interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked with several, I'm not black, but I've worked with several black theater companies. And I'm not sure that would have happened if I hadn't worked some areas that um, you know, didn't have, you know, they were mostly black population areas. And mm-hmm. it definitely makes you aware of different people's experiences based on things that really shouldn't matter, but do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, so that, yeah, it definitely informs what you're writing, the perspectives you're coming from. Um, people mm-hmm. have asked me over the years sometimes, like, is it, what is it like? Um, uh, well, one example here, I'm stumbling around, I'm trying to pound this caffeine so I can think clearly. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, before you answer, thank you for doing this in the morning. I know oh, it, no. is, it is madness sometimes. Um, yeah. But <laughs> Feel free to email me and and we can uh, we can do addendums (laughs) to the. uh, (laughs) No, no problem. It's starting to kick in the caffeine. (laughs) So uh, one of the recent uh, plays I did with with Avant Bard was uh, called Torn, which was about uh, this moment when Teddy Roosevelt in 1901 invited Booker T. Washington to the White House. And it created, you know, a huge national scandal. How could you invite a white, a black man as an equal to dine with you at the White House? And, you know, mm. absolutely ridiculous. And we still have some of these stupid problems, yeah. sadly. Yeah. But um, the actor, uh, Reggie Richard, who played uh, Booker T. Washington, asked me quite bluntly, he said, if you don't mind me asking you, what is it like for you as a white guy <laughs> writing this play, you know, about these themes and said, you know, it's all in the American story. It's all human beings. It's really all comes down to the same essentials. So in other words, I think if you're, uh, say, a gay middle-aged Asian woman, you know, should you be able to have a, a Hispanic male teenager or, you know, anything that's very different from your world? I, I think that's 
good. I think that's positive as long as you have some research, some experience, and a lot of empathy that you can come into, you know, from a perspective of another character who lives a very different life than yours. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as you have the research and the empathy, yeah, I think that's good. Yeah. So, and I, I do agree that maybe perhaps a lot of us, um, we know, I think, I think a lot of us as, as creatives, we have enough empathy to, to share with the world that we're coming from a good place, especially mm-hmm. when we're writing. And, and right now things are fairly contentious sometimes because there, there's discussion of, you know, whether people outside of, uh, of their race can write anything other than their own race. And I, I think that's a, a I don't think that that's a, a positive thing. I think that we all should be able to write, you know, what we need to write. Because as you said, we're part of the human tapestry and mm-hmm. we need to be able to have access to those stories so that we can complement each other and we can bring out the best in each other, you know, whether it's culturally or, you know, uh, historically, try to find the common ground in many ways. And it seems like that's what you're trying to go for is is to transcend some of these barriers and mm-hmm. and go for that commonality to remind us once again of of the good that we have to offer would that mm-hmm. be would that be a fair assessment absolutely and yeah. and if you don't mind a quick question have you ever written a character that was just very very different from you whether it's a different race uh mm-hmm. obviously different gender you know whatever yeah. it may be yeah different religion yeah and i i think in those situations i had a lot to learn because uh i my thing, I mean, being a Mexican in Wyoming, and I'll just confess something really quick. When I was younger and really studying playwriting, I had had some experiences with uh, with white men that weren't exactly favorable to to mm-hmm. all white men. So I doing it very tactfully. Yeah, and so <laughs> I'm trying, but <laughs> you know, my that was my worldview at the time, and in having those experiences, I needed to find some kind of analog to share it with the world. And in the play was the thing. So mm-hmm. over time, you know, you start to find a little bit more nuance. And because this is my home, Wyoming is my home. I'm a Mexican who's been here since I was 10 years old. You know, I've been other places, but this feels like home and I don't really have a choice about it. So what do I have to do? I have to try to make my home better by opening up the perspectives of what not only what a brown man can be, in in a very white population, but what standards, you know, or maybe how a white person could be better um, mm-hmm. in, in a lot of these interactions. And I think I just didn't have the nuance back then mm-hmm. to respectfully depict somebody, you know, and I, I think it goes both ways, you know, and that's kind of what I'm saying that. Did, um, did, yeah. did, did uh, white characters tend to seem almost like caricatures to you? Because I'm wondering if a lot of the people you ran into uh, you were know, just racist or whatever. You know, some of the, some of my, uh, <laughs> some of my antagonists <laughs> um, might not have been as fully fleshed as I would like them to be. Whereas now I think that uh, the work is, has been done for mm-hmm. me to have something that is more substantial. But when I was younger, I mean, that was definitely the case because it, I was coming from a place of fear rather than yeah. one of, of just being completely open and, um, you know, different times too. It was the late nineties, early two thousand. So it's like, okay, yeah, <laughs> there was yeah. a lot happening in Wyoming, you know, that was, that was fairly contentious. So I think everyone was just kind of on their tiptoes, you know, and, and trying to be careful. Um, is it, um, is it a little better there now, uh, as far um, as 
you is know, that right racism or I would I would say you know Wyoming is a, pe- a peculiar state in that culturally it is it, it used to be live and let live that was mm-hmm. sort of the motto uh, that uh, you know this primarily conservative state held and to be honest with you since 2016 things have gotten fairly uh, tumultuous here I mean they they people are just more vocal than they used to be um, but the sentiment in my thinking has always been there. So it's a matter of of acknowledging that and finding ways to move forward as a community. But it, it's very difficult because as a liberal in the state, you, you sort of you're coming up against people who are very kind to you, but at the same time disagree with you about everything. So yeah. uh, I think I've learned to make that distinction where somewhere in their mind, this makes sense. And, and there is a dissonance that that. I'm still trying to reconcile, uh, but mm. it's it's a task. <laughs> That's for sure. Wow, you sound it, like you could run for public office because you're putting all of this so tactfully. Uh, you know, I, I I think it's just the <laughs> growing up in Wyoming. That's what happens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just try to make sense of things, you know. But that's why I empathize so much with what you're trying to do and how you see the world, because mm-hmm. hitting walls, you know, intellectually, emotionally, through through most of one's life, it's like you got to transcend a little bit more and, and mm-hmm. you got to see where are we going wrong, especially after 2016. It just seems like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, are we the clowns? Are we the audience? Are we both, you know, are we, are we doing a, <laughs> a one person show where we switch characters? You know, it doesn't, right. doesn't make any sense. So for me, that's absurdism is the answer for me. Yeah. Um, it, it helps me sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> right uh, i get it it's either that's that or alcohol it's one or the other yeah yeah sometimes and, both <laughs> yeah and it makes me sleepy and i i really don't want to lose hours so i'm like i <laughs> uh, yeah i'll just go with absurdism for now but uh, yeah i know i we've derailed it a little bit but uh i'm curious of your production company and how that came to be like how do you how do you go about creating and um putting a team together maybe some people that you trust and and reaching out to collaborators how does it work? Um, well, there's a lot to that. Um, well, first, it kind of started where um, during the pandemic, I saw a lot of actor friends of mine, their world would just kind of shut down. And there were no film jobs. There were no uh, theater jobs, certainly. Mm. So I thought, well, what can I do to get a little bit of payment out to these people who are so talented? I know so many people that, you know, they get smaller roles in major movies and um, they could be doing so much more. Or, or you see them on TV all the time, friends of mine who are so talented. It's just so tough to get through. And with the pandemic, it was just almost impossible. So, mm-hmm. well, hey, we could, we could film some stuff, put it out there and, you know, do it really responsibly during the pandemic with very few people in, in a very basic way, but get a little bit of payment to a, you know, one or two crew members, you know, yeah. a couple of actors, very just like no more than two actors at a time. And um, so it started like that. And it was really fun to do. I think very therapeutic for all of us. We got some great <laughs> stuff out there. Yeah. And um, then I started thinking, well, okay, there are more ways of doing this. And going back to what you were saying about, you know, political matters and things like that, which get are just so absurdly extreme now. Um, and you see so much just primitive nastiness online where you think, how are people comfortable 
saying <laughs> such terrible things to other humans. So I thought, well, maybe I can get one left-wing person, one right-wing person, get them just to ask them a few maybe edgy questions, see how they respond, tell them, you know, you have to be civil, and then get them to react to what the other says. Uh, I called that the panic room. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, so that's been really interesting. I'm trying to put more of that together. It's hard to get people to be willing to do it because it's so... Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. My yeah. goodness. Um, I think that's just so peculiar because that's the answer. You know, as yep. much as we we sometimes feel like a disgust to say, how could you possibly feel this way or think this way or believe that that's right. the right way to go about things. We still have to show up at the table because if you don't show up at the table, they're going to keep doing it. Right. Yep. And mm -hmm. I, you know, maybe it sounds like, oh, you're just, you know, simplifying the, um, the situation, but mm -hmm. I think it's important. I think it's, it's a valid approach because if we don't keep an eye on things, if we don't try to reach out in some way it's like we're, you're just gonna let them keep getting siloed in and forget yeah. that there's people who think differently than them and i think it's a brilliant idea i really enjoy the first episode and uh i do hope that you continue to make those and and find people who are willing to do that because it's necessary yeah yeah, yeah. i i hope i'm still able to find people to do it too <laughs> it's, it's an interesting idea but people are pretty reluctant and um yeah what i'm finding interestingly is that Particularly, uh, right-wing people are, are really reluctant. So I'm I'm having a, a tough time finding people just willing to sit down and, and talk. You know, yeah. And um, it's you. Th you would think, well, if you're removing the conflict by making it simple, then why is it entertaining? But it, it, the conflict is definitely built into the situation. Yeah. yeah. So that's there, <laughs> but <laughs> there's no lack of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, uh, I'll see if I can, uh, make some noise over here and get you some conservative conservatives. Cause there's a whole bunch of them over here. <laughs> oh, you got a, a little breeding ground, a little uh, stable. Um, you know, it's, yeah, it's probably the, yeah, it's the reddest state I would say yeah. per capita. It, yeah. Without a doubt. And yeah, I'm, I'm, and I'm fine with that. I think it's, it's good to, you know, it's okay to have opposing points of view. It's just, oh, you know, man. there's some points we have to get off the station where yeah. I hate Jews and you're like, what? No. Okay. Nope. Nope. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's a Absolutely. line. I would say so. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, but I applaud the effort to yeah. put something <laughs> like that together because I think if artists don't do it, then, uh, you know, surely politicians won't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll have a very different spin on the whole thing. Yeah. So I got a couple more questions to be mindful of your time, but John, this has been awesome. And I really hope we get to chat again a bit more freely and I'll ramble on a bit more when we, <laughs> when we have some more time. But... No, no, that's great because I don't, I don't actually get to talk to other playwrights that often. So yeah, yeah I would have a ton yeah. of questions for you. Same here. Same here. Um, can you tell me of what's on the horizon for you? What projects are you looking to tackle other, or is it strictly the playwright zone and doing more of this, uh, production work? Um, well, let's see the, uh, play I told you about torn that one will be, they tell me they're going to do sort of a public reading of it in a park in, uh, in a lower income area. Well, they wanted to make sure that it's not just basically, to be honest, not just white people seeing it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, it wasn't that way in the audience before. It's a, it's a fair mix, but they want to make sure 
you know, that it's there for wider community and wider audience and, and black areas where more black people will see it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so to be quite blunt, that's what they're telling me. And they want to make sure everybody gets a chance at it and they may do a, a full production, but we'll see. Um, so that's coming up. That'll be fun. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and yeah, more episodes of the panic room, more episodes of, uh, the playwright zone. I'm doing this, uh, children's show with a actress friend of mine named Tia Shearer Bassett. She's just great where, mm. um, the idea is to make kids laugh and learn, and they're showing it in um, uh, showing it in a children's hospital here in D.C. Mm. So sick kids can watch it. So that's oh, great. fulfilling. I'm just trying to put as many positive things out there as I possibly can. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. That's wonderful to hear. Two more, and uh, and then I'll I'll let you enjoy your Sunday. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm enjoying this. this yeah. is fine. Oh, oh, great, great. So what do you think? Um, you know, I, I ask people a lot about resolutions and what they have to look forward to and things like that. But because it's January, I'm curious what your intentions are this year to to improve your craft or to work on on your creative perspective. Are there some things that you've thought about or do you believe in intentions or resolutions at all? I'm fine with resolutions. <laughs> That's the silliest answer you'll ever get to that question. But <laughs> I have no no objection to revolution <laughs> resolution, but um or revolutions for that matter. Yes, but um, <laughs> yeah, but I that's a that's that's like an ongoing thing for me. But I'm sure for any playwright, you're just constantly churning things out and always trying to do the next really interesting thing. Uh, once in a while, what I what I notice I will do, which is a bad habit, as I'm more interested in the process of writing what I think is a good play, then I'll put it on a shelf somewhere. Uh, figuratively and um but i have to get myself all right i, I gotta put that one out in the world <laughs> you know I'm, I'm having um a pretty good number i'm actually very fortunate i have a pretty good uh, i think in the last three years i've probably had six productions or something oh, awesome. you know from other theater companies aside from what i'm doing uh with the play uh Jowska productions and all of that so yeah i'm getting stuff out there pretty often but I, yeah this year i want to really push a lot of interesting projects out there. It, that's sort of, I guess you, we'll call that a resolution. <laughs> Perfect. That sounds like a plan to me. And um, before you go, I just want to ask you um, if there's something that you'd like to pass on to somebody who's just starting out in their career as a creative, whether it's a musician or somebody wants to make visual work, video work, or a playwright, theater mm -hmm. person, is there something that you can pass on that might make a difference in, in the very early stages that mm -hmm. maybe worked for you? Keep creating stuff. Just keep creating. Just keep putting it out there. Talk to people. Connect to as many people as you can because it's the connections with other people are going to make a, the biggest difference. And uh, I'm pretty sure you would have found this too, but it's really time weeds out the people that really have to do this. It's like you mm -hmm. just need to create artistic things. And if you're one of those people, you will keep creating stuff. And the more you do that, the more you connect to other people, uh, the more your stuff will get out there, whether it's music or plays or film. Keep, especially now, because it's, it's much easier than it used to be to, you can pull out a phone and make a movie, really, and make a pretty decent one. So just get out there, create stuff, create opportunities, collaborate. 
just keep creating stuff and don't be discouraged. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do it because you can. And that is a magical, positive note to end on. I think that's perfect. And John, I want to thank you for your time again, for sharing so much of your experience and, and insights. This has been so much fun. I want to keep talking to you because we just scratched the surface. <laughs> this is, yeah. oh, this could go on for a while. <laughs> oh, I, could, I, could ask, I, I could have a boatload of questions for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll let you interview me next time, you know, when, okay. we're, <laughs> when we're bored. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> but it's truly been a pleasure. And I just want to thank you for the work that you're doing for bringing positivity and light into the world and to trying to think of the bigger issues at hand the existential ones, the ones that mm -hmm. really uh, are always lurking over the shoulder and uh, for being awesome for, you know, we'll talk about music some more, but thank you for all the work that you've done. Oh, thank you. It's very inspiring, man. All right. So I will be in touch real soon and uh, yeah, I'll bug you over the internet. Please feel free to send me some links and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I'll talk to you real soon. All right. Sounds great. Thank you, Jamie. Hey, John, thanks again. And you take care. Okay. Talk soon. You do the same. All right. Bye-bye.